Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Ah, thanks guys. All right. Well, as was prophesied, the bathrooms are being fixed right now, so... They should be good to go after this. (laughs) All right. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. How many of you were with us at the intensive yesterday and the day before? Awesome, awesome. Good to see you guys again. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was super, super fun. It's just just a good time getting in the same room as people who are just hungry for God's presence, you know? We felt some of that this morning, just the way just... uh, It's fun to worship with you guys. I don't know if you know this, but it's really fun to worship with all of you. Um... So I um, today really all I have is a prophetic word for you guys. So, <laughs> some of you are excited about that. Some are like, hmm, 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 hmm. I want to create a little bit of context for this, though. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some context. I'm going to share the prophetic word, and then I'm gonna tell you what I think it means. Does that sound all right? All right. So. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You might think I'm joking, but this is where I'm starting. <laughs> um, uh, for this first part, if you don't mind, if you wouldn't mind just indulging me a little bit, uh, close your eyes. Because um, I want you to see the, the, the tapestry that the Lord has laid out before us. The, the, the picture, the, the context that he has given us. So in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. He makes everything on the earth. He creates it, and it is all good. He creates man and woman, and he creates them in his own image. He breathes his breath into them. And he gives them dominion. He puts them in charge of the whole earth. He places them in this beautiful, perfect garden. In ancient culture, in the context when when the Bible was first written, when the, when the book of Genesis was first written, a garden was, was a picture of, of a divine kingdom on the earth. And that's the very picture that God draws here. God blessed the people he had created. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and every living creature that, makes, that moves on the ground. And subdue and rule are not just words of conquest and, and, and authority, but words of responsibility, of stewardship, of care. And then a problem came up. There, there was an enemy, an adversary, who was envious of God, thought, thought too highly of itself, thought that it could be equal with God when it was not. And that adversary came and deceived the people into thinking that they perhaps were not already like God, already created in his image, that maybe they needed something external. Maybe they needed to eat from this tree that God had asked them not to in the midst of the garden. And being tricked into believing this lie, the man and the woman ate of this tree, violating the, 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 the one request, the, the one piece of the one boundary that the Lord had set in such a free and open environment. 
it violated the boundaries of the inheritance that God had given them and and then had been cut off from it. And so time went on and this problem of sin, this problem of disconnection from God only grew, only got bigger, only got messier. And there was more pain and more disconnection. And through many cycles, over and over, this, this, this problem only got bigger. And some time passed. And God wanted to redeem his people. And so he chose a man who had no children. And this man, even though he did not know this God, he believed him. And God made a covenant with this man and changed his name to Abraham. And out of this man, a chosen people was born, a a God's people on the earth, people that he had adopted back into his family, into his kingdom. And he commissioned these people with the the same commission that he had given originally to multiply, to represent his kingdom, to, to release his kingdom on the earth. And he protected them through many trials. He guided them. He sent, he sent another one of his sons, Moses, to lead them out of captivity, to lead them to, to a mountain where they received clear instruction from God about how they could follow him how they could be his chosen people, how they could be a holy and set-apart people, a people that were designed to represent his kingdom on the earth. And they did their best, but they had many struggles. They had many trials and tribulations. They wandered the wilderness for 40 years, but eventually they moved into a land that God had promised them. But as the years went by, they forgot some of the testimonies. They forgot who their God was, and they began to worship other gods, worship idols, intermix their beliefs. And so God sent prophets. He sent judges. He sent anointed sons and daughters to bring them back, to to reconnect them with their purpose, to reconnect them with, with who they were, their identity. But every time he did that, again, they'd fall away. Back and forth and back and forth. They're unable to do it, to sustain it on their own. And so after the time of judges and and these early prophets, the people began wanting a king. And so God let them pick one. (laughs) His name was Saul. And even though he was well-intentioned, he was not up to the task. And he, he became disconnected from God. So God sent the last of the judges, Samuel, to go anoint a king of his choosing. And this man was called David, and he was a man after God's own heart. And again, through many challenges and trials, he would become king, and he would become a great king and lead the kingdom of Israel to great prosperity. And though he would make great mistakes, make some bad decisions, he would always return to his father, return to God, and remain loyal, remain connected, remain committed to him. But unfortunately, this was not true of David's family line. And his son Solomon, even though he was the wisest man that lived at the time, and 
led Israel into some of its greatest time of prosperity, again, he returned to this same pattern of allowing other gods, allowing other beliefs, of, of letting in things that were, that were not part of God's plan into the kingdom, into the people. And this led to a line of kings that, again, go back and forth, some righteous, some not righteous, some that would follow God, some that would not follow God, back and forth and back and forth. And in the midst of this time, the Lord began to send prophets declaring a new king, a great king, a messiah. And he did this over many years in many different ways in little pieces at a time. And though when that Messiah would arrive, the picture would be absolutely clear. In the process, in the, in the prophecies, in the, in the snapshots of who this Messiah would be, it was not precisely clear to those people what he would do, what kind of kingdom he would bring and what it would look like. And so when God sent his son to be born of a virgin... Being fully God and fully man to come to the earth. I think that only he knew what the full magnitude of his plan was. Because many of the scholars at the time thought that it was the job of the Israelites to be God's chosen people. And that they would propagate and take over the, the entire, they would subdue the earth. They would grow and grow and grow and prosper. But they did not yet know, and the powers of hell did not yet know, the magnitude of redemption that God was ready to unleash upon the earth. Because if they did, they probably wouldn't have made the biggest mistake of their life and kill this chosen son. That the, that the power of the enemy would try to kill this son, thinking that yet again, like so many times before, he had undermined the plans of God, that he that would send the people of God, back into idolatry, back into looking for other gods, back into chaos. But this Messiah had come and lived a perfect life and died on a cross as the perfect sacrifice, fulfilling and redeeming God's need for justice around the disconnection of sin. So that not only would his chosen people be, be blessed, be, be, be redeemed into their, into their kingdom identity, but anyone who would call on that son's name would be adopted back into that family, would become an inheritor of the kingdom of God, and would become part of his grand plan to release his kingdom into every part of the earth. And so this man lived on the earth for 30 years, growing in stature, growing in wisdom. And for three years, he ministered, he gathered disciples, 12 who were his closest, multitudes followed him. He released wisdom, he, ta he taught about the kingdom, he performed miracles. He died and three days later rose again. And as he ascended into heaven, he looked at the people who were there. And he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God sent his son to accomplish what humanity could not, what we we could not do on our own. And and to invite the entire world to have the opportunity to choose, to call on his name and become co-heirs with Christ in the kingdom of God. And then he gave his people instruction about how to fulfill the original commission that had been given to multiply, to subdue the earth. Go and make disciples. He had been showing them how to make disciples for three years. So you can open your eyes back up for a moment. No, there's a quick summary. There's lots of good details in there. It's worth worth reading, reading into. But I think it's important for us to remember that we right now are part of a plan that God has been unfolding since the beginning of time. And I know we know this, but, we, but a high price has been paid so that we could be step into the inheritance that we're now living in. A couple of months ago, I, I shared a, a vision that I that I had. It was when we were uh, streaming. And so I'll, I'll reiterate it here because the the word that I felt like I got from the Lord is kind of a follow up to that. And so, uh, so uh, last year was weird. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> and uh, there was a point in there, although at this point you could feels like it fits pick several points, where I could just feel this, the, the tumultuousness in the air, just this, this feeling. And I, you know, there's a lot of amazing prophetic people who, are, who have a real amazing gift for discerning what God is doing nationwide, what God is doing internationally, and what God is doing on those levels, and that's where they mainly operate. Uh, while, like anyone else, I can ask the Lord what, what, he's, what he's doing on those levels, I, I naturally tend to focus on what God's doing with individuals, what he's doing in groups of people. It's just where my, my attention is naturally drawn. But because it was a weird year, I was like, I should ask the Lord what's going on around here uh, in, in the world. Um, and I saw this picture of the United States, and I saw this massive angel that was so big that his feet re- you know, reached from uh, you know, basically the entire middle of the United States from one side to the other. It was massive. And then I saw two demons that were about equal in size standing on either side of this angel. And one angel, or excuse me, one demon had a, had a weapon. He was kind of looking for his moment to kind of, looking for, his, for an opening to, to come in with this spear and, and stab at this, at this angel. And the other demon was at the angel's back and had a big shield and was just push it, shoving and pushing at this angel's back, just kind of shoving. And this angel was uh, basically ignoring these demons and was holding a, a large flag on a pole and was leaning forward to plant this, this flag into the ground. And so, again, you may have already heard this, this vision, and if you haven't, uh, please wait till the end before you get angry at me. Um, but I looked at this uh, one demon, the one that was standing with the spear, and 
it had the word uh, Democrat written over its forehead. And then I saw this other demon with uh, the shield, and it had the word Republican written on its forehead. And I looked at the demon that had the word Democrat written on the front of its forehead, and it had the word Republican written on the back of its forehead. And I looked at the demon that had the word Republican on its forehead, and again, it had the word Democrat on the back of its forehead. And as I looked, a swirl of words, a crown of words came swirling over each demon's head, and they were words like black and white. They were words like science and religion. <laughs> they were words like right and wrong. They were words like justice and injustice. And I knew right away that these demons represented what the enemy wanted to do with the season that we were in. And this angel represented what God wanted to do with the season that we're in. And at first I was feeling overwhelmed. I was seeing all these words and all these swirlings. And it obviously very much coincided with just the, the mood that, that, that the world, the country, individuals were, were in. And I started to feel overwhelmed. Like, oh, what do I do with all that? And oh, that feels so overwhelming. And I just heard the voice of the Lord. And before I even heard the content of what he said, I felt his, the sound of his voice just calm my heart. And he said, it's just a spirit of division. And division doesn't, I'm not really going to talk about division today, but um, division doesn't really care what you believe. It only cares that love cannot pass between people. And it's important to remember that because division will try to bait us into fighting for something that is right <laughs> a certain way. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about division today. But I shared, about, I shared that vision uh, some time ago. Talked a little bit about that. Um, I'm sure you can find it on the podcast where I talk more about that side of it. But... That vision kind of troubled me as I went forward, and, and especially as time went on, I realized, like, I don't feel like you got a clear picture of what that angel was trying to do. Now, I knew that flag represented planning the purposes of God, you know, so I, I knew in general what that angel was, was doing and represented, but I didn't have any specifics, and I, every time I prayed about it, I couldn't really get a clear picture, I couldn't really hear anything, and so a couple of weeks ago, I was laying down, and I was feeling a little bit anxious just about uh, stuff, uh, just gen generalized, you know, stuff going on and whatnot, and um, and I could feel that the Lord was going to give me a dream, but I also knew that I was supposed to ask for one, and so I laid down on my bed, and said, "Lord, will you please give me a dream about this?" And I laid down, went to sleep. I don't dream very often, or at least I don't remember my dreams very often. Um, and in the dream, I saw the exact same vision. I saw, the and they were in the exact same posture, these, this angel and these two demons that were standing over the United States. But this time in the dream, immediately the, the camera of my vision zoomed in to the pole that this flag was, was on. And again, the scale of this was, of course, immense. You know, again, angel standing over the United States. So this, this flagpole is about as big around as a mountain. So it's, you know, massive. Um, and as I zoom into kind of the, the middle of the flagpole, the, again, camera of my mind starts traveling down this, this um, flagpole. And I can see that it is beautifully and intricately carved. It is, it is more richly detailed than, than any cathedral I've, I've ever seen. And it's hundreds of thousands of human figures, just, just as if they'd been carved into the wood in this beautiful, ornate, ornate um, 
uh, just, just sculpture, carving, had been carved into this poem. And in it, I saw every single manifestation of God's kingdom as it relates to happening between people. I saw healing happen. I saw breakthrough. I saw people getting set free from bondage. I saw reconciliation in families. I saw reconciliation between different races and cultures. I saw the gospel being preached. I saw people coming into the kingdom for the first time. All of these things, a hundred thousand different ways and a hundred thousand different examples laid out over and over and over and over. And it is every bit and more of what I would dare to hope that the kingdom of God happening in the lives of people would look like over and over and over and over and over again in every possible configuration, all the way down in immaculate detail. And so finally, the camera, after panning over and over and over all of this, pans down to the very tip of the bottom of this flag, the very end, the, the, the first point that would contact with the ground and be the, be the point that would begin the drive into, into the ground. And again, it was this beautiful ornate carving of figures of people over and over and over. And so in some ways, because of the scale and the angle I was seeing at, it was almost like the tip of this uh, flag was like the prow of a ship. You know, if you've ever seen like a carving at the front of a ship. It wasn't quite like that, but that kind of idea. Um, and so there was one figure at the very, very tip of the spear holding a hand out like this. And immediately, as soon as I saw that figure and the posture that it, that it had... I immediately heard a voice in the dream say, follow me. And was immediately reminded of every story of Jesus inviting his disciples to follow him, to become his disciples. I woke up and I heard that discipleship is the tip of the spear for releasing God's plans and purposes into the earth right now. Which, you know, sounds good and profound, but Jesus already said that. <laughs> and so last night I had another dream and I saw the same picture all over again. Same thing, every detail went all the way through. Got to that point and then turned and I looked down on the ground. And I saw as this, this flag pierced the ground that people, the, the people that were on this flag that were carved in wood began to peel off and become real people and just go out into all, all directions. And they each had, were holding a flag of their own. That was the exact same flag, just in miniature. And I noticed that each flag, there were different pieces of the of the of the sculpture that were highlighted, that were that were little, that were colored in, that that had these rich uh, expressions of color. And I knew that these were the different facets of the kingdom each person was called to release, different different aspects of God's nature, different different aspects of His kingdom that they were called to go and release. But as I saw these people go out, I saw three different ways that they were using what they had been given. The first group went to the spot that they were sent to and started hitting the ground with the flag, like this. 
I noticed that they were swinging it in such a way so that the part that was highlighted, the part that was colored, the part that they were called to was the part that was hitting the ground. And they were trying to just hit the ground, to break the ground with that piece of the kingdom that they were called to. And it had zero effect on the ground. And the ground was dry and it was hard. And no matter what they did, it, this, this hitting did nothing. But after a time, they got frustrated and hit harder and harder until the flag started to break apart and splinter and, and lose its shape, lose its, even the, the, the detail in the sculpture and just started to come to pieces. The second group of people walked up to these demons who, again, in scale were just the, their, you know, big toe was bigger, 10, 10 to 15 times bigger than any person. They walked up and they just hurled this flag like a spear at this principality at this demon, and it just shattered against it. Which surprised me, honestly, in the dream. And I just heard the Lord say, it's not what it's for. The last group of people went and stood somewhere, and they just planted their flag near where they stood. And the hard ground began to erupt with green, with plants, with fountains of water, with life. And I watched a garden appear around every single person that just planted their flag where they were standing. You know, some of them were the, were the zealous types that maybe wanted to, you know, smash the ground. And so they rah, jammed it in there. But the garden didn't spread any faster if they jammed it in there or if they just gently set it down or if they just rested it there, or whatever else. So I woke up, and, and this is what I feel like this, uh, this dream means. Um, Jesus told us to go and make disciples. I want to take just a moment here to talk about what a disciple is because we, we all have kind of a different context of that. You know, if, if you were to ask me a year ago, hey, what's a disciple or what's a discipleship program? And I would think oh, that's where you learn the basics of Christianity. That's, that would be my context for it is, you know, that's where you go to this class. You learn the, you know, a more detailed version of maybe even the, the Bible story that I just shared a moment ago. You learn, learn biblical history, you get your basic understanding of the Bible, good uh, theology, all these things. And, that's, and then you have been discipled and now, you know, you go. Um, others of you might be like a mentorship program. You might see it that way of like uh, trying to walk people through things and, and help people, uh, you know, maybe uh, get over issues or addiction or, or whatever type, type of situation it might be. Um, but I think it's important that we look at, and this, we, we could go on and on about this. I'm just going to give you a window that I, that I hope you decide to look through later. Um, but Jesus was talking to first century Jewish people who would have a very specific context of what it was to be a disciple. And just a brief snapshot of that is, is first century discipleship was they would find these disciples, these, these people would, again, this is in Jewish culture where they spend the first 13, year, 13 years of their life learning the Torah, memorizing the scripture. In fact, the goal was to memorize every single word of the Torah so that they had this background, they had this foundation. And it was after that that they became a disciple to a rabbi. They would find a teacher who they could feel. The idea was 
we all know the scripture. This is part of our culture to know the background, to know, to know what God has said. But I'm looking for someone who, can, who I can walk with, who can show me how to apply this to my life. How can I apply this to my day-to-day life? And becoming a disciple was a lifelong commitment, was giving up everything to follow this person, to learn from them and to learn with them. And it was a community effort. There was, there was groups of disciples. I'm not going to try to say it because it's a word that I'll mispronounce incorrectly. But, but the groups of disciples would travel together following a rabbi, following a teacher, learning from him, having active discussions about daily life. I want to read one little, one little excerpt here. This is um, it's a great just kind of breakdown of, of first century discipleship. And uh, unlike many of our contemporary discipleship programs, there was no curriculum or agenda for this multi-year discipling experience. Rather, it was a, a continual daily relational living experience where either the rabbi would ask questions of the disciple as he closely observed the disciple's daily life, or the disciple would initiate a discussion by raising an issue or asking a question based on some aspect of his daily life. In the dynamics of this intimate discipling community, all of a disciple's daily life was observable by the rabbi. A disciple would expect the rabbi's consent and persistent question, why did you do that? Excuse me, consistent and persistent question, why did you do that? The emphasis was always on behavior formation, not just the imparting of wisdom and related interpretive information. It was about becoming what they had studied in the scripture. If we want to see the kingdom show up in the earth, then we need to be disciples and create disciples. And we have our great rabbi. His name is Jesus. He's the best one that ever was, and he's the best one that ever will be. And it goes on. This is a a really fun area of study into how these groups of disciples would discuss with one another, would debate, would, would discuss this rabbi's responses to, to the application of scripture to life. They would have differences of opinion, differences of ideas. And, and frequently the rabbi wouldn't just say, no, this is the right one, no, this is the wrong one, kind of what we would experience in our, like our modern teaching kind of system. It would, he would allow the discussion to run its course so that people would discover the ins and outs, the walls, the, the boundaries of life of a life that follows scripture. My, my simple interpretation of the, the dream that I had is if we just focus on one aspect of the kingdom and try to bang that into the ground, we're going to hurt ourselves and hurt the tools that God has given us. <laughs> if we see dark things in the world, dark things in our country, demonic things. And become focused on those and just hurl what we have at those things. What we have will be rendered ineffective, not because it's not powerful, but because that is not its intended use. If instead... We can be disciples. Because again, all these people were birthed out of, they they came to life out of 
this flag that this angel was carrying and just disciple other people where we are at. We will see the kingdom of God show up in places that we would not possibly imagine that it could show up. We will see the glory of God show up in places that we would not imagine where it could show up. There's plenty of things to be concerned about. There's lots of things that I can look at about our world or the trends of where things are going and become very concerned. It wouldn't, wouldn't be difficult. I could list them out right now and we'd all walk away a little bit more worried about it. <laughs> and I'm sure you'd have a list of your own that might be the same as mine or a little bit different. But the truth is, is that the enemy has always been trying to steal, kill, and destroy and do whatever he can to undermine the kingdom of God showing up on the earth. He has been trying since the foundations of the earth were laid, since the very, very beginning. And God has always equipped his children to do what they are designed to do. And this is the very reason that, it, that the Bible tells us that there are so many who would hope to be in the day that we are now because we have inherited the kingdom through Jesus. We've received the grace to release the kingdom wherever we go. All we have to do is do what Jesus did. And as a community, as a group of people, we'll get to discuss what that looks like and we'll have differences of opinion about it. But the great thing that makes room, even back in those days of, of that kind of discipleship, is that even though they had differences of opinion, they all had the same rabbi. And we all have the same rabbi. His name is Jesus. And again, we may have differences of opinion on what Jesus would do if he was here in this situation or that situation. And we will discuss and have discourse and, dis and we will sharpen one another in that discussion. But if we remember that we have the same rabbi, then we will actually sharpen one another rather than put chips and chinks in one another. And we will truly be able to participate in the plan that God has been laying out for generation after generation after generation, which is covering the earth in his garden, in his kingdom, in, in his truth, in, in, in every good thing that he has wanted to express through us. If you would just stand up real quick, I'm going to pray for you guys. I imagine that the, the majority of you have already made a, a commitment to be a disciple of Christ, made a commitment to, to, to invite Jesus into your life, to, to call on his name, to follow him. If you haven't, it's a great day for it. <laughs> but I felt as I had this dream, the, the, the first dream, when I heard that voice say, follow me, I, I felt this, this invitation to to step into a different understanding, to step into a different uh, reality of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. And, and for me, even in the dream, before I, before I could put it all together, 
I could feel the weight of what he was asking. This wasn't just a, let's learn how to be a good Christian. Christian. No, this was, let's learn how to participate with the purposes of God on the earth. Let's learn how to be like our great teacher, how to be like our rabbi, how to be like our savior. And though many of us, in fact, all of us have done something to mess that up, to do that incorrectly, to, 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 to sabotage that, I know that many of us, like, just like David, have still chosen to follow Jesus. And the beautiful part is every, every spot that I see in Scripture, that's always enough. That's always enough. Every one of his disciples had no idea what he was doing when he was going to the cross. They were so confused. <laughs> they all deserted him. <laughs> but they had already chosen him to be the rabbi, to be the teacher, to be the one that they would follow. And so they came back. And so I felt like today that the Lord was inviting us to come back, to give parts of our heart back to him, to give parts of our belief back to him, to give parts of our opinion back to him. Because the more you read about this discipleship relationship back in, in Scripture, you were giving up your right to have an opinion. <laughs> it was in recognition that you did have a right to an opinion, but you were willingly and, and <laughs> with, with sound mind choosing to give that right to that rabbi so that you could not just learn information, so that you could inherit something from them. And that's the invitation of Jesus today. It, it is your right to have an opinion. God gave us freedom. God gave us choices. <laughs> Very apparent throughout his journey with the Israelites. They had lots of choices and they made lots of choices. <laughs> and all the kings and all, if, all throughout biblical history. <laughs> it's amazing that he would <laughs> trust us enough to give us such freedom. But this is an invitation to choose, to make the choice to give that to him. Trusting that he is a good teacher, that he is an honorable teacher, that he's not asking you to disappear. He's actually asking for the opportunity to reveal you. So I just want you to close your eyes. And I just want you to experience Jesus reaching out his hand to you and saying, follow me. The visual ones of us might just see it as a picture in our mind's eye, the feelers in the room, I just feel this, the emotion that we would feel if we just heard those words and saw that posture. <laughs> those of us who are teachers or, or Bible scholars, we might, we might see those stories, those, those moments in scripture when Jesus invited people to follow him. In whatever way we experience it, I just want us to lean in for a moment and feel that invitation and choose what to do. Jesus, we just follow, choose to follow you today. We choose to be your disciple. We choose to learn from you, to be intimate with you, to be seen and known by you, for you to look at our life and see how we behave, see how we think and ask us questions. 
we choose to be part of a community of disciples, other people who are following you, and to lift one another up, to walk with one another. Not look down on one another, not judge one another, but interact with one another's benefit in mind and in heart. Recognizing that we are all sons, have been adopted into this family, into this plan, into this kingdom. And that we have all chosen to be followers of Jesus. And in that, we also make room for discussion, for debate, for differences of opinion. Recognizing that we are following the same teacher. And that all of our differences of opinion, all of our discussion, all of our debate is not in competition with one another, but out of a desire to see his kingdom rightly, to see him well, to know him well, and to represent him well. And we recognize, Lord, that we, we, we need you. We cannot do this on our own. This isn't a let's clench our teeth and try to accomplish this plan well. This is us becoming a learner to you, becoming a follower of you, and giving our life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. I'm just going to have the prayer team come up, if you would, and just uh, line, up, line up up here, if you would. Just one, one small thing there. If, if in the middle of that you felt a scary feeling, you felt like, a, I feel scared to do this. I feel, I, this, this feels, uh, it feels scary to give my life to Jesus in this way, or especially if you've never given your life to Jesus in this way. I'd love for you to come up and receive prayer from some of our people. They're not going to judge you. They're not going to say, how dare you not. They're going to partner with you in, in just praying through uh, this thing, and especially again, if you've never met Jesus before, uh, Mr. John Cole over here would love to love to chat with you about about that. Um, the other thing too, to switching to words of knowledge uh, mode, because as a disciple Jesus of Jesus, I know that he really likes to heal people. <laughs> um, I, I felt that there was um, just two things that popped up. Is I felt like there was uh, d- some degenerative lower back problems, stuff where. Um, especially I think you used to be like athletic and really like to work out and things like that. And certain exercises just started to become painful, discom- discomforting. And, and it's um, getting to where you just can't do some of the stuff you want to. If that's you, I'd love for you to come up during this time. And then um, the last was uh, joint, joint pain uh, in the knees and in the ankles. Just that there was um, this joint pain that was causing it, especially in the morning, you'll wake up. And it'll just be really painful, really sore. It's hard to, it takes like this thing to get moaning. It's not really that the pain goes away. It just kind of reduces as you're going through the day. So if that's you, I believe that God wants to heal you today. And again, anyone else who's needing some healing, who is needing a fresh touch from the Lord, please go ahead and come up and just receive some prayer today. If not, go in peace and make disciples of all nations while you're at it. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.